Hello, you're welcome to the Uncommon Woman Conference 2021, themed Audacious, Living Fearless. The message you're about to listen to is brought to you by Jesus House. God bless and enjoy the message. Michelle McKinney Hammond spent over 15 years in the advertising industry, producing award-winning campaigns for Coca-Cola, McDonald's and General Motors, to name a few. A gifted entrepreneur, Michelle has authored over 40 books and sold over 2 million copies worldwide. Her titles include The Diva Principle, Sassy, Single and Satisfied, and Secrets of an Irresistible Woman. As a songwriter and vocalist, Michelle has recorded four solo CDs. It's Amazing, Let's Go In, Come Let Us Worship, and With Love. She formerly co-hosted the Emmy Award-winning television talk show, Aspiring Women, for 10 years and has appeared on countless television shows, as well as acting in several American and African movies. She is the president of Heartwing Ministries, an organization dedicated to ministering to people living life to their fullest potential. Her heart is to see women discover the value of their womanhood. Put your hands together in a bold, audacious welcome to our keynote speaker, Michelle McKinney Hammond. Well, greetings, Jesus House, all the way from Ghana, West Africa. So glad to be a part of this coming together, the sisterhood, finding power in Christ together as women. And I just wanted to share a song with you, set the atmosphere. Though we're virtual, we're still in the spirit of God. Embracing his presence, embracing his love. Sensing the very realness of his nearness. Hallelujah. I have my music ministry relevance with me in the house. And we pray that this song blesses you. Love is in the room Love is in the room Drawing us closer Love is in the room in the room peace is in the room lifting us higher
mercy's in the room mercy's in the room giving We 
Praise the Lord. You know, I love it when we get together to exhort one another. And I love the theme for this year because I think that it is crucial and critical to where we are in time now. You know, when I was in school, uh, you know, I was born in London and I went to school in Barbados and I moved to Michigan. I know that sounds very exotic after those two locations, but I moved to Michigan and I moved to this community that was um, predominantly African-American. And I didn't know it at the time that we were poor, but we were. And I went to public school. And at public school, because I was very different, I had an accent. I got put up a couple of grades in school. I became the object of bullying. And I have to tell you that going to school was just a terrifying experience for me on a daily basis. I anticipated being bullied. And so before I left the house, I was already in a frame of mind of being paralyzed by fear. One day as I was on the way home, I was accosted by a group of of, of young people and they surrounded me and they started... uh, you know, picking on me, and I was just, you know, paralyzed in fear as usual, looking like a deer caught in headlights, not knowing exactly what to do with myself or how to get out of the situation because I was surrounded. I just feared the worst. I feared that, you know, I was just going to just be pummeled to death and left alone on the sidewalk to die, you know. And all of a sudden, this voice said, hey, what y'all doing? And everybody looked. And all of a sudden, the fear that I felt was exchanged to them. It was in their faces. What y'all doing? Again, nobody said anything, but their eyes were just round with fear. He said, don't mess with her. She's my cousin. And so one of the young people looked at me and said, is that true? He wasn't really my cousin, but I was willing to make him my cousin in that moment. So I just nodded my head because that was the best that I could do. Well... He wasn't my cousin, but he was pretending to be my cousin, and that was enough for me because everybody was in awe of this guy. We called him Ronald Alexander. His name was really Ronald Alexander, but being young, we just said Ronald Alexander. Ronald Alexander is her cousin, and you could see them just start to back off. And I, as they backed off, I felt so much confidence. Oh, my goodness. I felt bold. I felt safe. Why? Because Ronald Alexander said he was my cousin, and he had designated himself as my protector. Everybody was scared of Ronald Alexander because Ronald Alexander was bigger than all of us. He was tall. I think he had probably flunked out a couple of grades and was way behind, but nobody cared. All we knew was that he was bigger than us and he was to be feared. And if he said that I was his cousin, then nobody could mess with me. Well, guess what? After that, I had a confidence going to school. 
because it seemed magical almost that I would be on my way to school by myself and just as somebody came around the corner and started to stalk me, Ronald Alexander would appear from nowhere and that person would go dashing off in the other direction. Kind of like God. You know, I knew that Ronald Alexander was big and strong. He was my protector, and as long as he was near and I was in relationship with him, I was a relation of his, I was safe. Well, what are we talking about here? We're talking about being fearless. Being fearless. You know, these have been fearful times. So what a theme, right? Here we've um, experienced probably one of the craziest years we've ever experienced as long as we've been on the planet. We've faced pandemics. We've had economic and political unrest. We've had environmental crises. We've had racism rearing its ugly head. We've had death, despair, gloom, doom, anxiety, and depression. Many have given in to fear. And, you know, we're right in the middle of a biblical season. We're right. We're living out prophecy as never before. Luke 21, 25 through 26, Jesus is telling them about all the things that are going to come on the face of the earth, that there'll be wars and rumors of wars and all these horrible things are going to happen. And there'd be signs in the sun and the moon and, and there would be great distress of nations and perplexity and the sea and the waves roaring and men's hearts would fail them for fear. And the expectation of those things which are coming on the face of the earth. Now let's put a little earmark on that word expectation. What is fear? Fear is false evidence appearing real, many have said. But I want to change that acronym today. And I want to say that fear is false expectation of altered reality. Let me say that again. False expectation of altered reality. Fear is based mostly on our feelings versus facts. You know that, right? Fear is also based on who we're connected to, who we're not connected to. If we're connected to someone who can solve our problem, we don't worry. I mean, as long as I knew that Ronald Alexander was close, I did not worry about being attacked by my stalkers. But if the absence of him was apparent and I knew that I was open prey, I was fearful. If we sense any type of isolation or lack of support or feel that there's like no means to handle whatever confronts us, we will be fearful. We've got lots of fears, don't we? We've got life fears. We fear for our future. What will become of us? Will we have a secure future? What, what will happen to us um, if we don't put certain things in place? We have financial fears. Will I be able to provide for myself? If I lose my job, what will happen? Will I be able to keep my house? What will happen to my family? How will I get myself out of debt? We have aspirational fears. Will I make it? Will my dreams ever come true? Am I just running down a rabbit trail? Or is this really God? Am I really pursuing the right thing? We have relational fears. Can I trust my mate? Singles, will I ever get married? Some may even have religious fears based on what ministry they're sitting under. Many are in bondage. 
They're in fear of curses. They're in fear of, uh, you know, bondages of different types. They're in fear of devils and demons and tigers. Oh, my. Based on what they're hearing from the pulpit. But why exactly do we fear? We fear through the lens of what we've already experienced. Sometimes we've had disappointments in, in, the, in the, the past that have crippled us or paralyzed us. And the moment that we anticipate a repeat of that, we give way to fear. We also fear based on things that we've done. If we're still in guilt about a sin that we committed, we're fearing retribution, we're fearing that other shoe dropping, we're fearing discovery, right? Or we're expecting punishment for things that we've done in the past. Or words spoken have given us fear. You're never going to amount to anything. You keep that up and see what happens to you. Words can cause fear. And yet the Bible tells us that there is no fear in love. The Amplified Version in 1 John 14 tells us there is no fear in love. Dread does not exist, but perfect, complete, full-grown love drives out fear because fear involves the expectation of divine punishment. So the one who is afraid of God's judgment is not perfected in love and has not grown into a sufficient understanding of God's love. There's that word again, expectation. Expectation of punishment. Expectation of the shooter drop. Expectation of, some would call it karma. And yet, the word tells us that if we don't have a sufficient understanding of God's love, we live in fear. Because we don't understand what his love is capable of in our lives. Let me read a couple of other translations to you because I feel that this scripture is foundational to what I want to talk to you about. The Phillips says, love contains no fear. Indeed, fully developed love expels every article of fear. You know, when you talk about expulsion, if you think about when we sneeze, what is that? When we cough, what is that? A sneeze and a cough is an expulsion of something that's in the system that should not be there. It is actually reacting, uh, it's having a negative reaction to something invading the system that does not belong in the system. It's saying here that love expels, it, it, it gets rid of it. It is foreign to the system of the spirit when we know God and we're walking with God. It expels every particle of fear, for fear always contains some of the torture of feeling guilty. Isn't that interesting? Fear is tied to guilt. This means that the man who lives in fear has not yet had his love perfected. Now, perfected there is talking about maturity, coming into the fullness of, of maturely understanding what love is about, what love means, what it covers, what it protects us from. We have to have our love matured. We can't be juvenile and childish in our love anymore. It's time to grow up in this thing concerning love. The message says there is no room in love for fear. Well-formed love banishes fear. Since fear is crippling, a fearful life, fear of death, fear of judgment, is one that is not yet fully formed in love. Many of us can be aware of the paralysis. We've experienced it 
of fear. You know, I was walking my dogs down the street one day and almost got attacked by a German shepherd. And in that moment, I froze. I was paralyzed. As he came licking his lips and looking like he was getting ready to have me for dinner, I froze. Fear paralyzes. The Passion Translation says, love never brings fear, for fear is always related to punishment. And when we love God and we know he loves us, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But love's perfection drives the fear of punishment far from our hearts. Whoever walks constantly afraid of punishment has not yet reached love's perfection. See, fear has to do with expectations. Notice every translation talked about the expectation of punishment. But fear is also a spirit. And the word of God tells us that God has not given us a spirit of fear. 2 Timothy 1.7, when Paul is talking to Timothy because Timothy was shy and, and fearful of going into ministry, he said, huh, he says, God, Timothy, has not given us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power and love and a sound mind. Where does that power come from? It comes from the Holy Spirit. God is love himself, so his presence is there, and it gives us a sound mind. Another translation says sound judgment or self-control, because that's the other thing about fear. Fear makes you lose control. Sometimes the response and reaction that we have when we're fearful is one that we regret later because we had a knee-jerk reaction to the situation. It says God hasn't given us a spirit of timidity, of timidity, of cowardice of craving and cringing and fawning fear. I mean, these are conditions of fear. These are, this is the spirit that overtakes a person when they're caught up in fear. But he has given us a spirit of power and of love and of a calm and well-balanced mind and discipline and self-control. Another one says sound judgment. And so love calms us. It focuses us so that we don't react the wrong way, so that we don't lose control. The NRI, the, I'm sorry, the NIRV says that the Spirit doesn't make us weak and fearful. Instead, the Spirit gives us power and love. He helps us control ourselves. There it is again. So we've got some connections going on. We've got an expectation of something terrible happening. It can be, you can uh, live in fear of losing a job. You can live in fear of losing your mate. You can live in fear of a lot of different things. And it can shut you down and paralyze you to the point where you don't make rational decisions and you literally end up walking into self-fulfilling prophecy because you're not thinking straight and you're walking in fear. And I believe that what you anticipate, you activate in your system. Fear stops us from operating in the fruit of the Spirit. We shouldn't make decisions on two levels. Whenever you're angry or whenever you're fearful, that is not the time to make a decision. You'll always make the wrong decision. Our state of mind and our emotions affect our capacity to make right decisions. God knows there'll be many things in life that will make us fearful. And yet he tells us, not to fear. The Bible says fear not 170 times. 
And it's a command. It's not a suggestion. So how do we do that? Where's the source of confidence? We trust in God. But do we trust God? Those are two different things. You know, the bill in America says, in God we trust. But a lot of people aren't paying any attention to God. They're not thinking about God. So we can say that we trust in God, but do we really trust God? I remember years ago, a friend saying to me, and it irritated me highly at the time, that waiting on God and trusting God doesn't mean that you crawl into his lap and then keep looking over his shoulder to see if what you want is coming. Because then you're still in fear. I didn't want to acknowledge that at the time, but it was really true. Do you trust God today? Examine your relationship. You see, the antidote to fear, the vaccine for fear, and the source of trust is relationship. It starts with relationship. You see, once Ronald Alexander and I became friends, and I knew that that relationship was sound and that he was always going to show up to protect me, I trusted him to protect me. Do you trust God today? Isaiah 41.10 says, Fear not. There is nothing to fear, for I am with you. Do not look around you in terror and be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and harden you to difficulty, and yes, I will help you. I will hold you up and retain you with my victorious right hand of righteousness and justice. Another translation says, so don't worry because I am with you. Don't be afraid because I am your God. I will make you strong and will help you. I will support you with my right hand that saves you. Do not fear. I am with you. Do not anxiously look about you for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Surely, I will help you. Surely, I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. The message says, you're my servant, serving on my side. I've picked you. I haven't dropped you. Don't panic. I'm with you. There's no need to fear, for I am your God. I'll give you strength. I'll help you. I'll hold you steady and keep a firm grip on you. The Passion Translation says, don't yield to fear. Don't yield to it. You know, when you're driving down the street and you get to a yield sign, you stop and you allow the traffic to precede you. He says, don't give in to it. Don't even allow it entry into your lane. Hmm. For I am always near. Never turn your gaze from me. For I am your faithful God. I will infuse you with my strength and help you in every situation. I will hold you firmly with my victorious right hand. Now see, there's some things there. The first thing he touches on is relationship. Remember I said that relationship is the vaccine against fear. It is the source of your trust. He says, I am your God. In every one of those translations I just read to you, he says, I am your God. Do not fear because I am your God. And then he makes some promises, some really sound promises. He says, I'm going to make you strong. He says, don't give in to fear. Don't get anxious. Don't have, you know, anxiety has been way up this year. Everybody, I, somebody's taking medication for anxiety out there. I'm telling you, 
Tap into your relationship. He says, I will make you strong. He says, I will help you. I will support you. I will support you. Hmm. You know, this is something that, unfortunately, we don't flip into overnight. It says, sounds good, Michelle, you're telling me this, but I have tried. I have studied scripture. I have prayed, and I still have these anxiety attacks. And Every time I turn on the news, I'm overwhelmed by fear again. Seems like something else is happening, and it just never stops coming. It seems like every day is another bad news, and I've gotten to the point where I anticipate bad news, and it's, it's just it's overwhelming, and it causes me to live in constant fear. But he promises to make you strong. And so this is something that we grow into more and more. This is where the perfected love part comes in. I mean, we need to grow into the knowledge of what the love of God means for us. You know, in 1 Peter, uh, no, 2 Peter chapter 1, it talks about these things growing in us. We're growing in faith. We're adding to our faith. We're adding excellence. We're adding steadfastness. We're adding patience. And it all comes from growing in the knowledge of God. The knowledge of God growing into him is what consumes us and actually expels fear. What made Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego defy a heathen king. At the threat of death, they defied him and said, we know that God will um, rescue us. And even if he doesn't, we won't bow down. That's some serious relationship. They had background on that. They had been brought as slaves into this place, Babylon, and still did not feel forsaken by God. What kind of relationship did these boys have? They were raised in a home. I would love to meet their parents because in the face of being hauled off to Babylon and made into slaves, they refused to compromise their faith. They refused to compromise their diet. They refused to compromise who they were, even though they were given new names. They refused to bow down. Relationship establishes firm and immovable commitment to the one that it loves. They had a loyalty that kept them from compromise. And it was a fearful situation. They were thrown into that furnace. And then the king saw the Lord walking with him. What would make Daniel sit cool and calm and in the lion's den like he was sitting with a kitten? The, the king was more upset than, than Daniel was. The king was in fear all night and went running down early in the morning and peering in and saying, Daniel was the God that you praised. Was he able to keep you? And Daniel was sitting there all cool saying, yeah, I'm cool. Huh. That day, the nation was told to serve Daniel's God. How did he get to that place? Daniel was a man of prayer. He was a man of prayer to the point where he heard God clearly and he had no fear because his relationship with God was so solid. Joshua went in to claim the promised land boldly and fearlessly when the entire nation around him was afraid to go after hearing about the giants in the land. They had an expectation of being consumed, but Joshua had another expectation. He had an expectation of victory because God had told them he was giving them the land. And he said, we are well able to do this. God has said it. One of my favorite scriptures is when God speaks to Joshua and says, 
No one, in Joshua 1.5, no one will be able to stand against you as long as you live. For I will be with you. There again, he's establishing relationship. As I was with Moses, I will not fail or abandon you. And he speaks to us and he tells us, I will never leave you or forsake you. And then he says, be strong and courageous for you are the one that's going to lead these people. I've given you an assignment and I'm going to help you fulfill it. Whatever God has told you to do, no matter how fearsome it seems, if he told you, he will equip you to do it. And so he says again, be strong and very courageous. And he gives an instruction that we can't overlook. He says, be careful to obey all the instructions of my word. Don't deviate from them, turning either to the left or the right. Then you will be successful in everything that you do. He says, study the book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night so that you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed. So there was a condition for his success. But then he says, this is my command. Third time, he says, be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. He ends with the promise of relationship and his presence once again. So what are the components of courage? First of all, relationship with God, a strong sense of connection with him, of being owned by him, of being protected by him, of being surrounded by him. Then the knowledge of God, the knowledge of God will keep you. You see, all the people that I mentioned, Joshua, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Daniel, uh, they all had a history with God. They had seen God come through for them on several occasions, and they had that reference point in their mind that God would not abandon them, that he would always be there, that in spite of the circumstances, God would show up somehow miraculously like Ronald Alexander did for me. God will show up for you. And then the promises of God are a component of courage. The, the promises of God are weapons of your warfare. You get to stand on the word of what he promised you in the face of fearful conditions. You know, when COVID hit and all of my um, speaking engagements shut down, I remained steadfast because I said, God, you told me this year that you would supply a continuous stream of income for me. So I'm looking at you. My eyes are on you. I don't know how you're going to pull it off in this season where we can't move around or do anything, but I'm standing standing on your promise. I'm standing on the word that says that you will supply all my needs according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. I rehearsed the word and reminded myself of what God said. I don't need to remind him because he knows what he said. I need to remind me what God said and stand on that. And then right standing with God. A clean conscience removes fear. You know, it says righteousness leads to peace, right? Because you're not anticipating punishment. We're back to that perfected love thing again. That when our conscience is clear before God and we're in right standing with him and we don't have to be fearful about, is he going to withhold a blessing because of what I did? We walk around with a clean conscience and the absence of fear. Joshua in his parting words to the Israelites, said, soon I will die. He wasn't afraid to die. And he said, deep in your hearts, you know 
that every promise of the Lord your God has come true. Not a single one has failed. What a testimony. And so he was saying, stand fast in the things of God. God's got a track record with you. You don't ever have to walk in fear because God has never failed you. His track record is sound. So how do we get to this place of confidence in God? Isaiah 30, 15 says, the sovereign Lord, the Holy One of Israel says, only in returning to me and resting in me will you be saved. In quietness and confidence will be your strength. Be still and know that I am God. Don't just be still and know that I am God, but be still and know that I am your God, that you're possessed and surrounded by him, that you are loved and covered by him. He is your Abba, Father, God. He is the mighty protector. We never have to fear because of who we're connected to. He says, I'll keep you safe. Calm down. <laughs> I'll make you strong if you quietly trust me. If you repent and wait quietly, you will be saved. Your strength uh, will depend on quietness and trust. And so there's some components here. First, there's repentance. Clear your slate with me. Get on the right side of me. Walk in righteousness. Walk in right standing with me. And then quiet yourself. You know, sometimes we just like to talk about stuff and just stir up our fear even more. The more we talk about it, the more fearful we become. He says, get quiet. Get quiet before me and begin to just trust me. Let your, let, let your trust override the things you want to say that are negative. That might not necessarily be true because our fear is based on altered reality, not reality. Only in returning to me and resting in me will you be saved. And quietness and confidence is your strength. So clear your decks with God. Get quiet so you can hear him clearly and make a decision to trust. You know, he commands us not to fear, which means that fear is a decision relegated by our thoughts. It's in, you know, our emotions are fed from our thoughts. So whenever you have an emotion, you've got to stop and think, what is the thought that is causing me to feel the way I feel? When we change our mind, we change fear to faith because Fear and faith are the same currency. Fear is just having faith in the wrong thing. God doesn't want to punish you. He wants to restore you. He wants to reveal his love to you. Ephesians tells us, 1-4, long before he laid down earth's foundations, he had us in mind. And he had settled on us as the focus of his love to be made whole and holy by that love. He chose us to be his very own. He joined us to himself even before he laid the foundation of the universe. And because of that great love, the Passion Translation tells us he ordained us so that we would be seen as holy in his eyes with an unstained innocence. So why are we fearing punishment? He's already made a way to clear away all those things, all the guilt that causes fear, all the expectation of retribution and punishment and judgment. You know, even in our natural relationships, that's what happens. An unfaithful man always fears that his wife is having an affair because he's guilty. So he's got an expectation of retribution. You see how that works? But God is not that way. 
He's made a covering for us to justify us to himself so that we don't have to fear punishment. Love isn't blind. I know we say love is blind, but it's not. God is not blind. He sees everything very clearly. He sees our problems and he finds a solution. And as we grow and mature in the knowledge of God, we grow in the trust that we have for him. We grow to rely on his strength quietly, knowing that he will never leave us or forsake us and that his promises are yes and amen to us. Every attribute found in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and all the fruit of the spirit describe his personality, the personality of God. The bottom line is he can be trusted. Your love level will determine your ability to trust God. The more you love, the more you trust. And you can't love unless you know him. So I don't know about you, but I choose to be mature and grow up into loving God more and more to the point where I no longer fear when life challenges assault me. No matter what's coming at you, the love of God will keep your heart secure, secure in him. So keep your eye on him. Where are you looking? Where's your expectation in times when you're fearful? The psalmist said, I will turn my eyes to the hills from which cometh my help. My help comes from the Lord. But I'm going to tell you an easier recipe for overcoming fear. Fall in love with Jesus. Fall hopelessly and passionately and madly in love with him. Because when we love people, we trust them, even when they shouldn't be sometimes. But love expels fear. Love perfected, love that consumes us, expels everything foreign to the feeling of love. And that's where you're going to find your strength in this season. Growing deeper into him, allowing him to surround you, sensing his presence like never before. Getting a new revelation of who he is and who he is to you and what that means for your life. So draw close. Meditate on his promises and receive his love for you. Falling in love with Jesus. Falling in love with Jesus. Falling in love with Jesus. Is the best thing I've ever done In his arms I feel protected In his arms Never disconnected In his arms I feel 
the best place I'd ever, ever, ever be Falling in love with Jesus, oh Lord Falling in love with Jesus, oh Falling in love with Jesus Is the best thing I've ever done Heavenly Father, I just pray for those who may be struggling with fear today, that they would rest in your arms, that they would know that you are ever present, that you are a protector, that you are a strengthener, that you are a shield about us. You are the glory and the lifter of our heads. We have no need to fear. Perfect our love for you. Help us to come into the full knowledge of who you are, into a place of mature love and relationship with you. Steady our hearts. Still our minds. Let the calmness of your spirit invade our being. Wrap us in your arms and free us from fear. And renew our faith as never before as you reveal yourself to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, you know that I love you guys and your family to me, and I'm so happy to be with you today. Um, Pastor Shola, sis, thank you for having me. I, and I just continue to thank you for all of your tender care of me when I was in London. Um, for some of those who don't know, uh, I was in London on lockdown for seven months waiting for the border of Ghana to open. And, and Pastor Agu and, and, and my sister Shola, were just such an encouragement. They took care of me. They were there for me. And it's something I will never forget. And I just thank God that he's chosen them to love me through them. And I love you back. Just want you to know that. I'm so glad to be with you today. Hope you've enjoyed the message. If you want more information, please log on to our website at uncommonwomenconference.co.uk. God bless you.